Judy was boring. Hello. Then Judy discovered Chumbacasino.com. It's my little escape. Now Judy's the life of the party. Oh, baby, mama's bringing home the bacon. Whoa, take it easy, Judy. The Chumba life is for everybody. So go to Chumbacasino.com and play over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Welcome to The After Show with Mackenzie Stewart and Amy Shannon. We have over 15 years of literary experience between us. Our mission is to educate and assist authors of all writing levels. Hello, Amy. How are you? I'm doing well. How are you? Hey, I, I am doing well. I'm being um, entertained in um, a show that... I just discovered, I think it's new, um, I just discovered, and it's called Lucky Hank. Have you seen that? I've been telling everybody about it. Have you seen it? No, I haven't. So it takes place at a university, um, a small town, mm -hmm. and um, and it's a general studies, you know, department, more specifically a writing department, right? So, so Hank is the chair of this writing department. And so Hank is having this writing workshop. And, and no one else probably thinks that this is funny, but I was like laughing and holding my side um, when I was watching it because, so he was hosting a writing workshop. And so this, the student was reading his paper uh -huh. and it was horrible. It was horrible. So, and, and the reason why I could identify with what, what was happening is because that was my first, um, my first draft, but I thought it was. I was finished, right? Because I told my story, right? <laughs> and, and so this kid was just like that too. So I can identify um, uh, with what he was doing. And so it, it, it was clearly a first draft, um, you know, yeah. but he he was thinking he was done and he thought that he had like some, some work that was going to be winning some prizes, right? So he was reading it and he was he was telling the story. Like he was telling, this person did this, this person did that, this person, and, and it was just really horrible, right? So that was him telling the story. Oh. Then not only did he do that, he told what everybody was thinking when they were doing all the stuff, right? <laughs> Which made it even worse, right? So, so it was so funny and hilarious because I saw me in in that student, um, but his was just a, a, a bit more uh, <laughs> over the top than mine. But I, I could identify uh, the writing because that's something that I was doing when I first started telling my story. And the funny part about it is um, the person who, um, you know, I, I reluctantly gave my, um, my, my first uh, manuscript to, I gave it to her to read. And I gave it to her because she was, a, she's a good, um, um, she gives feedback very well. Um, it not from a point where it's hurtful. Right. And so, um, and then, you know how it is, we don't, we don't even want to give it to anybody. So I say reluctantly because you don't want to give it to anybody. Um, and so she read it and she told me to stop writing. And for me to, she says, I'm telling the story. And I was like, yeah, of course I'm telling the story. Right. And she was like, no, no. And so she was trying to explain it to me and I didn't get it. Like I totally did not get it. And then, so she told me to pause and for me to pick up a couple books for me to read so I can under, I can understand how um, to, and I'm using air quotes here, to tell a story 
um, in, in a way that make people feel the story, right? And so that was really great feedback for me. So let me go back to Lucky Hank. So the student, so Hank is looking out the window, right? When the student's reading, he's looking out the window. He's not saying anything. And then, and then um, he, he turns, the student is finished and he goes, does anybody have any feedback, you know, for, for him? And they're like, that's your job. <laughs> <laughs> and so he, and so he, um, so he, um, and so the, the students just kept pressuring him and pressuring him. And, and so he finally said, okay. So he pointed out all of the things and it was like a lot of things, right? It was, right. it was, um, you're telling the story, then not only you're telling the story, you're telling us what people are thinking. And, and which is, and he goes, which is kind of weird. Yeah, right. <laughs> which is kind of weird because how can one person know what the other person's thinking, but you're telling it, but you're, but you're telling it in a way that you're telling it out loud. So he, he pointed out all the things. And so that's the thing that made it really hilarious. So the, the students in the class were in the workshop, they were like looking like, basically, why are you being so mean? And he, and so he's like, y'all asked me to give feedback. <laughs> like, what, what? And, and so he could have, he could have done it differently. Right. So he could have done it differently. So it wasn't hurtful. Um, so, uh, so there, so there's always one in the group and, and I like how this was, how this was written. It's always one that's in the group that is highly optimistic. Right. So when when they were asking, well, how was it? So before the teacher um, weighed in um, on the writing, oh, it was great, right? He's, so every time when you see him giving feedback or in a situation, everything is great. Everything is wonderful. Um, you know, I don't think he needs to change a thing. <laughs> so he, he always shows up in that way. And so, you know, I, I really wanted to kind of highlight this because we were talking about um, writing workshops, right? Writing groups. And so this, this struck me as very funny because I think, I think you do get that person, right? Um, in, in every, and, and then the, the person who's so optimistic, his writing was horrible too. And um, yeah, it was, it was horrible. And so so um, the, 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 the kid, so I think I'm old enough to call him a kid. He's a college student. So I'm, I'm of that age that, that everybody are kids, right? Yeah. So, um, so he, he tells his parents and his parents come to the school and they want to fire the guy. <laughs> <laughs> oh man, because they told him the truth. That's terrible. Right. And, and that goes back again to people. So let me, let me make sure I, before I even say this, let me make sure I say something. Mm -hmm. we, we, we definitely want to make sure that you're giving um, constructive feedback, right? And, and we want to make sure we do it in a way, um, you know, so people can hear it, right? And yeah. so, because if you attack somebody, they don't hear it, right? They yeah. just feel the attacks, right? So I just want to make sure that, <clears throat> that we, um, I, I, I put that out there. Oh, definitely. Now, I mean, there now, are ways to give, feedback even if it's negative feedback but in a way that is not detrimental but helpful 
Right. And so this became detrimental feedback because the kid never came back to the writing workshop. His parents came to the, the dean and wanted to get him fired, right? Now, now, yes, I can agree that hate should have done things differently. However, we as writers, I think we need to have thick skin, right? Yeah. yeah. Because every, every time, so every person who reads your work, they're not going to like it. They're, they're going to, so they're going to read it and they're like, oh, this, this, this book is horrible. Well, they're saying the book is horrible because they don't read that genre and they didn't even look and see what genre the book was in. Right. So of course it's horrible to them. Right. So I think that we, um, there's a, there's definitely a way that for us to give feedback, but I also think that everything that we put down on paper may not be good. Right. So he had to get some reinforcement. He had to get his parents involved and I think that that was um to me that was a lot like and and, and so I think that you <clears throat> we're in a we're in a place we're in a society that people think that everything that they're doing is fine and there there's no ownership right, um, or accountability yeah. e- exactly so this the teacher did not give the feedback in the right way Okay, but the student did get feedback. And so what an inspiring story this would have been. So A, he did not bring his parents in trying to get somebody fired. Maybe the inspiring story is that, you know what, I got this really rough feedback. You know what, and this made me such a better writer. And and I and I want to give, you know, Hank, um, you know, some kudos. I wasn't really trying trying to hear it or receive it at that particular time. He could have done it differently. But that made me a stronger writer. I, I I think that it was wrong, um, and I know you're gonna you're gonna check it out, right? Because the way I'm describing everything, you're, you're oh, gonna yeah. be like I'm gonna check it out. Um, it was wrong. However, feedback is feedback, um, and and I <clears throat> and I think that um, it, it's definitely something for all of us to take in. Now, now Hank it, Hank was he was writing a book with somebody years ago so the story is starting to unfold he wrote a book with someone years ago or started to write a book and then the the guy what the guy got famous hank didn't and hank ended up teaching right so <laughs> so there's there's a lot of backstory to hank and this writing thing and so um i'm journeying with hank through this story, trying to figure out and uncover what it is. And so um, I bring that up because that's what writing is about, right? Um, Mm -hmm. I'm staying tuned to see and figure out what's happening in the backstory and some of that other stuff that brought Hank to be where he is. He's hostile. He's in the small town. He, and when he gave feedback, I think the students were recording it. When he gave feedback, he said that the, the, um, the, the college was an underrated college, um, second best to a community college today. It was, it was horrible. Like oh, it was, man. they put it in the newspaper, the, the uh, newspaper. <laughs> <laughs> it was, it, yeah. And so his phone, his phone was like blowing up in the middle of the night because, you know, all these people were, um, you know, just, uh, criticizing him. He got all these text messages and, and, um, and the, 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 the other funny thing, and I'm, and, and I'm gonna get off of this kick um, with Lucky Hank. So, so the kid was at his, um, so the next morning, the kid was sitting in front of his door and he said, Hey, I'm here to hear your apology. <laughs> <laughs> he, told him. he said, I'm here to hear your apology. 
And so, so Hank just kind of reeled it to him again. The, 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 student, the student was leaning against his door. He unlocked his door and the student fell down. And so it was, um, he was like, I'm not apologizing. So anyway, um, I thought it was very funny because I identified with the, um, with the writer <laughs> and what he was doing. And I immediately knew that it was very, very poor writing. Um, and then it was funny because, you know, as I said, I, I, I too was, was doing, doing all those things, but he, he went a little further and kudos to the person who wrote what he, he was reading out loud, right. And, and made it into, a, a travesty. <laughs> oh, yeah. Oh, it's, I love it when we can, uh, relate to you know, if we're reading something or watching something it, and it's so interesting on, um, you know, because yeah, we talk about that a lot, giving feedback. And then you can remember when, you know, at some point, every writer has had that one person who lied and said it was great when it wasn't, or you've had that one person that says, you know what, this totally blows. And, <laughs> you know, and there's got to be something, you know, it's got to be truthful without being hurtful. And that's mm -hmm. how I look at as, as feedback. Mm -hmm. um, I have had authors send me their first drafts and said, okay, I'm ready to go. You want to review it for me? Mm -hmm. <laughs> but mm -hmm. yeah, I, um, that's, you know, I'm going to have to it, check it, that out. <laughs> Yeah, yeah, you're gonna have to check it out. We, we have to, you know, uh, talk about it. But you know what, Amy, I'm at the point right now with my writing. Um, and, and I know everybody isn't, but I am, I'm just speaking for me. I'm at the point with my writing, the, the niceties. Yeah, that's fine. But w w this doesn't make sense. So I need you to say, hey, this, this, this doesn't come across um, the way I think that you're intending it. Oh, okay. It doesn't. Okay. So, so I, I need somebody to give it to me straight because as you just said, you just have people, you know, saying really nice things and then you have a book that doesn't read well. Yeah. And I, I'm to the point where it's like, just tell me, J just tell me what the feedback is because, um, you know, we're all trying to build an audience base and if the, re if the book doesn't sit well, it lands flat, then we're not growing as, um, as authors. And we're not growing as writers, just period, um, being able to connect people to what we're trying to say. And that's the whole communication piece. So I think that's going to be um, something that's very important for us to, to yeah, understand. I mean, yeah, I mean, it, it really is that um, important. I mean, even before you send your book to an editor, um, you know, you should clean up your book as much as possible otherwise the editor when they make all the changes that's wrong with it it's them writing the book and not you so that's something that's important as well um you know i you know i've seen i've had people send me their first draft for editing and it's like uh you know, why don't you clean it up a little bit better? And then otherwise you don't want me to write the story because then it's my story, not yours. So, um, mm -hmm. you know, that's something that is really important, you know, know how to 
self-edit. You, you know, there are things um, that you can do um, to clean up your work, see how it reads, read it out loud to yourself before you read it out loud in the middle of a classroom, <laughs> <I know. laughs> you know, read it, see how it, it sounds, how it reads. Um, cause when you say it out loud, you're, you're making yourself read every single word. Mm -hmm. A lot of times when you're reading, you kind of like, you overlook certain things, um, you know, because it processes in your brain of what's being said. And, you know, it's like when, you know, Microsoft guesses what your next phrase is going to be based on your writing. Um, so, you know, that's kind of what we do when, when we read. And if you say it out loud, you you have to say every single word. And I do that myself um, once I get through the first couple drafts just to see how it reads, especially with conversations, you know, you're having. Um, how many times do you have a conversation when that you constantly call the person you're talking to by their name? I mean, if, if, if you and I were sitting down having a conversation or even when we talk on the phone, I mean, you don't constantly call me Amy and then say something, then say Amy and then say something and vice versa. You know, that's not, you might say their name to get attention or whatever you you call them, but um, it's like text who you're texting. And if you're texting one person, why would you need to say, hi, Amy? I know, right. <laughs> exactly exactly oh goodness yeah so um yeah so so that's what i've been doing i've been uh <laughs> watch, watching tv and and so it resonated with me just because of our you know conversations about writing groups and i so you know to really expand on this just a little more i think that um before you know you start a writing group or i'm saying you meaning you know our audience. Yeah. I think it's going to be important for you to lay out the ground rules mm -hmm. um, so that people understand um, the, the culture that you're trying to build and also um, to make sure that it's a safe space um, for people to be able to um, talk about their work, for them to be able to uh, critique the work of others. And so you definitely want to make sure um, and then it's also once the person is in the group, you know, you, you understand everybody's personality yeah. and then, you know, that, you know, if I say certain things to so-and-so, she's going to cry or he's going to cry. <laughs> and, and so, <laughs> um, and, but, but again, I, I'll go back to, if, if we're wanting to get feedback, you're, you're going to have to have thick skin. Right. And, and I say that from from you know the writing perspective and also from the place of employment right so you're at work and then you're asking somebody for feedback and so when they give it to you you don't like it but you ask them for it <laughs> right exactly and you so don't you have to agree with with what they say because that's their opinion but you know you should listen to what they are saying and then make your you know, if you're going to make changes or you're not, I mean, maybe your writing is good and the person, you know, that you asked to read it, um, 
there could be many reasons why they think there's something wrong with it or that they don't like it. And it could have nothing to do with the story or the way it's written. So you, you kind of need to really listen um, when someone is giving you feedback or critique. It's like those people that, um, and I don't mean that in a bad way when I say those people, but the people that will go on Amazon, they'll find books that um, are in a genre that they don't believe in or they don't like and then they'll write reviews about that particular book just because and they've never read it but they just don't like it because of its content you know maybe it's about serial killers maybe it's erotica and they don't read that type of work so they're going to say oh it's bad blah 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 um you know so there are it's also can go back to knowing who you should say um, or should ask or shouldn't ask um, to critique your work, depending on, um, you know, like you said, uh, in a writing group, you'll know different personalities. And, you know, if you tell, say, uh, Jane Doe that her, um, you know, she overused a word or something, she might cry and break down and say, oh, I'm never going to do this again and then run away. <laughs> but, you know, there are, you know, know it's like when you're writing you know know who your your target audience is but also know who you can ask for um truthful or honest feedback based on their opinion and listen to what they have to say because that in, in itself is part of the art and you know you if they say what's your book about you should know what your book about is about you should know what genre or subgenres that it may fit in um because that's really important too mm -hmm. yeah i i totally i totally uh i totally agree i think it's important i think it's all important um you know those things that we're that we're trying to do but um it's just um I think the feedback part is really tricky for everybody. And I think that um, um, it's just going to be important for people to, I, you have to pick and choose. And, and then, so yeah, you have to pick and choose. And, and then you have to show up in a way that, again, you're not going to break down. <laughs> because it, because it, it is disappointing, right? When you get, um you know, when, when you get the feedback from the editor, right, and, and you've, you've misused a word like 50 times, and you're thinking, man, well, me, it's like, man, I didn't catch that. Like, I, you, you know, so that's yeah. me. Um, and I don't know, I, I just think that um, if, if we want to, if we're asking for feedback, um, you know, no matter how someone gives it, you're, you're gonna, have to filter through it and pick and choose what you want. Yeah, definitely. That's definitely true. No, yeah, you're gonna pick and choose, but here's the other part. You know, you may, oh yeah, you know what? Um, Mackenzie is, you know, yeah, the, this feedback is just, yeah, I'm just not gonna pay any attention to it. But if Amy Shannon is giving that same feedback and then Jane Doe is giving the same feedback and so on and so forth, then there seems to be people that are giving you feedback that you need to take. Yeah, exactly. But, 
But the thing also about it is, Amy, you know, we're not, we, uh, you know, a lot of writers aren't in writing groups. And so we're just using the feedback from, you know, a friend who doesn't want to hurt our feelings um, or a friend who doesn't even want to read it, right? Yeah. Or a family member. And so, you know, it's, it's you have to kind of figure figure that out. That's true. Yeah. And um, something that, you know, um, we had talked about uh, on previous shows about, um, you know, writing groups is keep them, keep keeping them small, whether they're virtual or they're mm -hmm. someone's home in a library, um, get to know um, the people that are in your writing group. Um, I think we had heard from authors before say that, um, they're in writing groups where the other people write in different genres and that can make it for it's a more interesting conversation um, about the work and you know they they know um, you know it takes time to be able to trust that person you know you kind of got to know get to know these people um, in your in your group and it doesn't matter if it's in person or it's virtual um, and and when I, with virtual, the the one thing that um, I think someone had had mentioned before on our show said that you know there's that um, anonymity of uh, you know when you're writing um, about someone or something and you're you're typing it say on social media or in an email you get braver than if you would say it to their face. So, right. you know, that's important to know, especially if you're in a virtual writing group, um, you know, and, and people can create these through, uh, they could create them through, you know, Zoom or, you know, it could be video, it could be audio, it could just be, say, a social media group um, where people share their thing, um, their information, their work, I was in one a uh, few years ago um, with, um, it, it was me and three other writers, um, two of the writers I am still uh, in contact with just kind of like, we're not doing the same thing, but, you know, I'm like, if I need something honest, then I could say, hey, so-and-so, can you tell me what you think about this? <laughs> uh, so, um, and, and get honest feedback. And um, when they do write, I, um, you know, they um, send me, um, you know, their, their work for reviews. Um, and some authors, I've been the only one, only reviewer, I should say that, um, I've read like all of particular authors' books because they always send them to me. You know, they may get other reviews and other reviewers, but I might be the only one that's read all of them. And because of that, they they know what kind of feedback, what kind of reviews I'm going to write, you know. And it comes down to knowing, um, you know, if someone's going to be honest and, and truthful, no matter how they're providing the feedback. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Yeah, that's that's so important. That is definitely so important. Well, all right. 
Well, Amy, um, I think we've had another great, uh, another great show. I think that um, I want all of our, our listeners who are writers, please go and find a writing group that you can participate in and um, let us know how it goes. We definitely want to know how it goes. I think um, I think I would like to see more writing groups. I, you know, I, I wouldn't mind seeing a directory, right, of writing groups um, and something that's not on Meetup, right? So um, just a whole directory of, of writing groups that people can select. And, and I would like to see like genre-specific genre writing groups, right, to really uh, get down in the weeds of helping people and supporting people in genre-specific genre uh, type of writing. Uh, so I think, I think that should be next on the horizon. What do you think, Amy? Oh, definitely, because I was just thinking about um, this project that I'm working on. I finished my fiction short story, but um, I'm trying to gather information and write this nonfiction historical book. And when I, I'm doing it piecemeal, putting all this information in, and the one thing I, I need is um, I might reach out to someone that who's has written a nonfiction history book because I don't want my book to feel like it's a textbook, you know. <laughs> so, um, you know, that's something that um, once I put stuff together that that I will definitely reach. I, you know, I know um, people who will have written um, these types of at least historical, truthful fiction or nonfiction books. And I would definitely be reaching out to them to ask them certain questions or read what they've written so I can kind of get an idea. Um, but I mean, I'm in the early stages of, of just gathering information, but that's something that I will definitely do myself. I mean, this is the first time I'm, I'm writing a historical nonfiction book and it's about my hometown. So um, I uh, will definitely reach out and ask questions. Even you and I, you know, uh, when we we're doing something new, we um, we we look for people that um, have experience with something, and then we ask them questions. So, uh, thank you very much. Um, so I have some really fantastic news. Please share. Yes. So um, I've been going through this professional development. And I definitely encourage everyone to read this book. It's called Designing Your Life by Bill Burnett. And um, it's just, it's, it's making sure you are living your purpose and really figuring out what that purpose is. And uh, the book is based off of these five steps to designing your life you want. And um he 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 first started in a um, design lab at Stanford. Um, so basically, he was he was seeking requests to help um, students figure out what you want to do when you grow up, right? And so um, having that particular conversation, and he put it in the context of thinking about how designers think. And it's basically a culture mindset um, of reframing, radical collaboration, curiosity, 
the mindful process and bias towards action. And, you know, the very first question, you know, when you are thinking about life, you know, you have work and then you have your personal life. And then you choose which area you want to design and you think about it. And, you know, why are you because when you start thinking about work and then you start thinking about um, um, personal. Um, so for me, when I said, why was I stuck? So I saw that this was available for me to participate in. And I kind of felt like, you know, my work, my work life was not being, uh, I wasn't reaching my full potential. And so with that, even before I even took the class, I, I read an excerpt of what the book was about. I um, started thinking because I did feel stuck, right? Because if you're not, if you don't, if you feel like you're not living up to your full potential, then, you know, you ask the question why. And then um, I decided to um, apply for a position uh, within the company that I work. And so I was promoted. So now, for work, I feel like I am doing the thing, but in my personal life, I felt like I was stuck. And mm -hmm. so I identified a couple things that I felt, you know, that I'm stuck in or with, and that's my writing. And because when we started thinking about, you know, and so we went through several exercises where we had to figure out um, you know, what the thing is that we, that we felt like we wanted, we wanted to, um, and I'm going to use the word unstick. Um, okay. so, so I identified that and then, um, and then started really doing the work. So there's work that we have to do, um, before each of the sessions. And so one of the things that we had to look at is, basically what is your passion and the thing about it is 20 percent of us so less than two percent of us have a passion we are going on our daily lives without a passion so we are we are just living life we're not we're not we don't have a very specific purpose and without a passion so that's um something there right um the second was th this is the thing that really got me was you should know where you're going if you don't you're late <laughs> huh right so that that was something that um that was something that that struck me as like huh Right. If you don't know where you're going, you're late. And, and you hear it all the time, Amy, when, when or you or it shows up. Maybe I should say it this way. It shows up. Right. When you meet someone. And. They're just so maybe they're in their 40s or maybe they're in their 50s and they they're just starting to really focus on life. Right. Maybe yeah. they've kind of, you know, just kind of not really done a whole lot. But now they're really focused on life. And so it's like, hmm, yeah, this person is a little late trying to get their act together. So, so we say it that way, to get their, their act together. 
Well, I also found and this, I don't know if this is reflected, is that some people, they do have, say, a, a passion or a natural talent, but they put it aside because they have to have a job, um, they've got bills to pay or whatever, and you know, and it could be, I see it a lot of times with, with writers or people who want to write or artists, you know, whether they're a painter, a sculptor. Um, and I, I hate to see that kind of talent go to waste. And it's something they're passionate about, but they decide, um, you know, they don't think that they can do that and live the life and pay their bills and all of that um when sometimes it just means better time management you know if you wake up you know maybe an hour before you go to work and you decide that well i'm gonna write or i'm going to draw or sculpt just you know just to get that in and start the day i'm not saying you have to do that um you know you could do it whatever time but that would fit in but i i always hate it when others they let their natural talents go to waste. I mean, they're there. I mean, yes, they want to do other things um, and they have other interests, but when they, um, you know, it's just something I, I find it sad. Well, that's it, right? So they're stuck. <laughs> yeah. So you're going to yeah. hear me say that word, they're, they're stuck. And so, um, you know, it's trying to figure out, and you gave a really great example, you know, of something that people could try, but it's, so doing the work, and it's, it's really, really, to be honest with you, it's um, the work that I'm doing with this is really convincing you that you need to be doing it, and you need to find time for it, right? So one of the things that um, one of the activities that we have to do um, is called a good time journal. And it was very, it was very sad because you had to, there's two different, um, so there's on the left side, there's just lines for you to kind of break down your week, um, you know, Monday through uh, Sunday there. And then there's also um, a gas tank, um, you know, gauge, right? a fuel gauge, right? And so one was engagement and then the other is energy, right? And so you go to your calendar and you look at the things that you're doing. So you look at your calendar and you figure out all the things that you're doing. And then do those things give you um, high energy or low energy? And then, and that's in the engagement part. And then <clears throat> the second uh, fuel gauge is, so what gives you energy? Was it positive energy or was it negative energy? And as I went through my calendar, you know, yes, you know, there's work that you have to do uh, during the day. Yes, you know, there's meetings, there's, you know, just, you know, all one, one after the other. So of course, that's, you know, so that's part of the job, but also it's like, I'm working all day what am I doing to bring me energy? So on that night, I, I went to the gym, right? So how did I feel as far as my energy? It was positive energy because I was focused. I was excited because 
the gym was um, um, at my um, on my calendar for you know to round out my day. So I was focused because I know if I can get through the day, the day, I can go to the gym and do the things that I really want to do. So it really made me happy. So, but then when you start looking at your schedule and all of the things that you do, especially on the weekends, you know, and you're doing everything for other people, that was really like the sad part. It's like, I'm not doing anything for myself, right? I'm going, going, going. And so normally on a Saturday, I would be able to, you know, set aside some time to write and, or Saturday or Sunday. And, and the thing that I noticed was from the time that I got up in the morning till like six o'clock at night, I was doing something. I was that one Saturday that I, that I, I wrote about in my, in my journal, um, I had to go to the farmer's market because I had to look for certain shrubs because the guy was coming to put put the, the shrubs in, uh, in the backyard. I had to go. I mean, I had like two appointments that day. I was like on the go all day. And when I started describing how I feel, I felt, um, I actually have here in capital letters, no writing. I felt frustrated and I felt that I was not focused. Huh. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I guess so, it's, it's, it seems like you kind of, like, I remember when I hit 40, I was kind of like looking at my, you know, my, you know, looking back at my life and um, I, I started, I knew that obviously as you grow up, you change. But um, then, you know, I was looking at life in a, in a different way and what I wanted to, to do and, you know, what I wanted to accomplish. Um, and then I felt I had a, a different purpose. Um, and then I, when my, my kids, be, my boys became adults, now, then I was being a, a parent to an adult and that's not the easiest it's like a strange transition like you're still their parent but you're not like wiping their noses or licking your thumb to wipe something off their face or whatever um and then as I hit you know half a century um but those these last 10 years I've seen you know well I've had a lot of problems but uh, physical and mental health problems, but I also see that there is still things that I love to do. I have, I still have a passion for writing, and um, and I can. There are days that I just feel stuck, and then there are days that, um, at least on Sundays, this was my my son actually told me to do this is at least take a Sunday off to just relax and kind of, you know, recharge your batteries or whatever. And it's not always easy, but because you think of all the million things, oh, I got to do this, this and this. So um, do you think from looking at your life now and then looking at it, say the last 10 years, that 
there were times that you were stuck and you just didn't know what to do? I don't know. Um, so I, I don't know. I, I guess I just, so I guess that's like the big um, conceptual view of it. But I think if, you know, I'm, I'm kind of looking at, you know, the, 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 when I, when you drill down on it. Um, so I don't think that I was stuck. Right. So, mm -hmm. so to say, but I think that, I think that when I look at what my, what I'm trying to get my focus to be is the writing part that I'm not doing on a consistent basis because, you know, part of what I shared was um, with the group was I want to write more. And so I, I think that's always, um, that's always been a, um, you know, after I discovered that I, I could write something and, and something coherent and it makes sense that um, me trying to do it on a regular basis, um, I think that's the stuck part, right? Because I'm not. And that has been something that's been going um, on uh, for a while. And I want to um, transition that to be a little bit more prominent in my life. So, I don't, so I don't think me in general being stuck, but I think it's, it has all to do with the writing. Yeah. Like you're not, you feel like you're not doing enough of it or you've had to put it aside because of real life. Well, I, so I'm, so I'm, I am not making it prominent. Right. So I'm not making it prominent. And, and that's definitely part of my long-term goals um, is to be a James Patterson. Right. But I have to write enough. Right. So I, so, and, and promote it enough to really get, to get the work out there. One of the things that um, really resonated with me, there's a couple points um, with doing this work, um, designing life, what you believe, who you are, what you do, you will experience life as meaningful. So when you connect it all together, so there is no work and then there's no separate life, right? Those things have to merge and we have to be able to do it in a way that is gonna bring us some happiness, right? So in the journal, I'm looking at that. And so it's like, you know, it's coming together with the um, the whole gym, but then the, the writing part needs to be placed in that as well. The thing that really, um, another thing that really resonated with me is we all have a gravity problem. And so um, I love this in doing the work. You can't solve a problem you're not willing to have. That resonated with me. You well, can't solve a problem you're not willing to have. This is a circumstance and you have to accept it, right? So if, if you're, so think about relationships. When people are, you know, they, they want, they, they, they don't want to admit that it's dysfunctional, right? So, so you can't solve a problem that you're not willing to have. So you, you don't, you don't, you're, you're not owning it. So then you need to accept it, right? Because I think that's where problems occur. We, we don't want to, we don't want to say the problem out loud, but yet we still want to complain about it. 
you can't have it both ways to be happy. So you have to accept, you need to accept it as a circumstance in my life and you need to be able to move on. So sometimes people get stuck that way, right? Mm-hmm. So that that right there resonated with me. I thought about some friends, um, some things that's happening in their life and they're saying they're miserable and, but they're not doing, they, they're not willing to accept that as a problem and to do something about it. They're I can not, resonate with that. I can resonate with that. <laughs> they're not doing anything about it. You need to accept it and move on. And, and, and to me, it resonated because having that attitude brings you peace, right? Yeah. Because everything isn't a problem, right? Everything isn't a problem and you've, you've accepted it, right? And I think that has a lot to do with ownership, right? People taking, people being self-aware and owning it. Yeah, yeah. No, I, I get that. It's like I've um it's it's kind of like there there are people in your lives that you know they it doesn't matter family friends or whatever there's there may be a part of them or just that you just realize what kind of person they are and you know that anything this person does is going to annoy you or um or make you and it could have nothing to do with you at all but you just know because of this person how they are that it's going to make you feel a certain way towards them and then they do it and then you're still like annoyed like I know this I have this one person in my life and whatever they do or say is going to annoy me or just kind of make me um you know mad at them and glad that I'm you know I've been distancing myself um and then they do something that does that and I still allow that to affect me and make me annoyed or mad <laughs> mhm mhm I I loved that. You can't solve a problem you're not willing. Like that, like that struck my core. You know, um, sometimes we put up with things, you know, as an example, sometimes we put up with things, but until we raise it to the level of, you know what, this is a problem. I'm gonna do something about it. If you're not gonna do anything about it, then you have to accept it, right? And then, and then you have to be able to move on because if not, you're going to get stuck, right? You're going to get stuck in in being upset about this, you know, this, this situation, this, you know, you're going to, you're going to get stuck. So that just really resonated with me, um, a lot, uh, in that, um, then the next one was, um, in, in the second part of that accept, empathize, define, ideate, prototype, and you need to test it. And then you need to definitely move on, right? <laughs> From it. Right. Um, well, you know, so I guess it's something for us to kind of, um, you know, really resonate on and, and really 
um, so I so I'm I'm using what I'm learning. Um, I have accountability partners. Uh, with that, I've reached out to people, um, you know, in 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 my in my group to offer some it's assistance and guidance in how I move forward. So I'm just very excited um, about the process. So so the book is called Designing Your Life. Well, that's something I'm definitely gonna take a look into because um, you know I obviously it's it's helping you it's it's making you look at your life and um, finding your own purpose and you know sometimes it's like you like you 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 got promoted and um, then, you know, you feel like, okay, you're where you want to be at, at this time in your professional life, but then there's some things in your personal life that you just want to, you know, um, not be stuck at some point. You see what you may be neglecting. Um, that's something that's, you know, it's, it's part of you. Your writing is part of you. It's, um, you know, you, you write very well and you have stories in your head that you want to get out on paper and it's not so easy, but I think that, um, you know, maybe this, this process is, you know, is, is worth for others to look into as well. Um, maybe before you hit that point where you feel stuck. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Uh, yes. Um, so I definitely recommend uh, designing your life. Thank you for listening to the after show. I'm Mackenzie Stewart. And I'm Amy Shannon. Anything that you need to know about us is on our website, wetheaftershow.wixsite.com slash home. Join us again next time. Thanks. Bye-bye. Okay, round two. Name something that's not boring. A laundry? Ooh, a book club. Computer solitaire, huh? Ah, oh, sorry. We were looking for Chumba Casino. That's right. Chumbacasino.com has over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. Forward, prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details.